Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome to The Devil's Advocate, the only podcast where you can do good by doing good. This is Nick Stack. With me as always is... Hey, it's Ken Barton. Kenny B. Hey. Sites out the rights. Trystack.github.io. Because Dates Out the Gates doesn't make any sense, I realize, but I do like it. Dates Out the Gates are where to find us. Trystack.github.io and SustainableHealthWealth.com. Ken. Yes, also uh, Three Day Monk Media, where you will find this and other lovely podcast properties yes, there. We yes, we are on iTunes. Actually, I got to look to see if we can get on Stitcher, because that's my... Mm-hmm. My... Saber of choice yeah. when I'm when I'm consuming podcasts. Okay, Stitcher. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. those of us on Stitcher, hopefully by the time you, you listen to this, we'll we'll get it up. We'll try. Um, so today's subject. Last time we we dropped the gauntlet. The only other thing we have to talk about is, is is guns, as far as controversial things goes. But maybe this is even more religious, or sorry, maybe this is even more controversial. We're going to yeah. talk about religion. Yeah. <clears throat> We're going to talk about it in a way. We we I was talking to my mom, because they're probably listening to this now. And I just said we did have a mission statement. It was to entertain and intellectually discuss various issues with the idea of enlightening and making people more aware of stuff. Stuff. Stuff is good. Mm. And also, when I say doing good by doing good, that comes from a line in a famous TV show called 30 Rock. When Tracy Morgan, who's you know supposed to be from the street, not all that bright, is challenged by Liz Lemon in something like... It's just something, he's with, no man, Superman does good. I'm doing well. I know my grammar, Miss Lemon, but it made me think, why can't you do good by doing good? So like if you look at the website, it's how we can have ideas that are profitable, free market, yet help the world, yet help people. And, you know, this is a very interesting topic. I'm sure it'll be controversial. I hope so anyhow, because the only good questions, like Aristotle said, are the ones that are tough to answer. But, you know, religion, is it okay? Can you hack it? Is it a commodity? If you can hack it, how so? So, you know, before we dive in, as always, we're going to do Life in Japan and then a quick book report, but a lot to get to today. So I guess I'll go first. Life in Japan. Um, It struck me the other day how much Japan is changing. And I think for those people, we're we're trying to get away from things that are time-stamped, I say in air quotes, or to more green pastures. Evergreen, evergreen topics. Evergreen topics. (laughs) So... Uh, around the year of our Lord, we mm. might say for this podcast, sure. 2020, it's appropriate. Uh, the Olympics are coming to Japan, and there was also another international event. There was the World Rugby Cup. Yes. And if you watched any of those games, one, Japan did surprisingly well. Amazingly well. Amazingly well. We beat who at the, at the time were top-ranked teams, Ireland and Scotland. Both were in the top 10, top 5 maybe, and Japan was not. And Japan had, for one of the first times ever, a very multi-ethnical team. There were people who were half, um, the slang term might be blackanese, half black, half Japanese. There were people who were straight-up foreigners but who'd immigrated Japan when they were younger. And this came as you know, quite, a, I think, a shock to some Japanese people. But to us, it was normal. Mm-hmm. And I think as more and more things like that get normal, the better off Japan will be. Yes. So that was my life in Japan, a, a good thing. Oh. Yeah. So... Ken yeah. is going to take the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, maybe some bad things. How about Japanese people in rules and amusement parks? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Japanese in, in rules. It's uh, one of the things that you'll – Japanese people as a population, if you look at them on, on, the, on that group level, uh, they often score higher on conscientiousness, yeah, mm. rule-following uh, parts of the personality. Yeah. And it, it's really interesting to, to see how that works uh, – when you're 
in it, you know, uh, you, you often think, oh, well, my culture is also pretty rule following too, until you like really look at it closely and uh, you, you see a lot of people who, uh, you know, rules are made to get around and, you know, I, I can even identify with some of that, right? Like rules are important unless it's important for me to break them, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this speed limit is, is, uh, is really good and safe for everybody else, but if I've got to go somewhere, uh, it's just a suggestion, you know. But uh, what, what I've noticed here in Japan is sometimes they're very strict about the rules. Um, Wouldn't you say too much, honestly? I've had a couple of experiences that I thought were a little interesting. Uh, one was going to a swimming pool. Uh, and if you don't know me, I've, I've got zero hair. I've got no hair. Mm, by choice. <laughs> by by choice. Uh, I've got very little of uh, by nature. <laughs> <laughs> but um, even without hair in a swimming pool, I have to wear a swimming cap. Yeah. And I don't know why. But because everybody has to wear one, everybody has to wear one, right? I have to cover my tattoos. I'm not a member of the organized crime syndicate known as the Yakuza. I never have been, and nor could I be because I'm a foreigner. But I still have to cover my tattoos everywhere I go to the point where I've been kicked out of onsens, which are these giant portable public, not portable, pardon me, but very public baths mm. that are very nice and relaxing. Yeah, people do not so like to yeah. see a tattoo, which is nuts with the Olympics coming. And then <laughs> another thing, too, is this is my, my story is I went to a movie theater and I had a free coupon for caramel popcorn. And I just simply asked that in lieu of the caramel popcorn, I get the butter popcorn. And they come from the same bat. They are the same price. There's no logical reason that they wouldn't be able to swap them out. But no, damadeo, damadeo, which means no, no, not going to happen. And getting mad didn't help, oddly mm -hmm. enough. And you do have to do <laughs> really a great doesn't. deal of acceptance, and uh, mm -hmm. which something we'll get to later today. But you know, things like that drive me nuts. Now compare that to America. This last summer, went to a movie with the wife and the kids. Neither my wife or I wanted to see the Lion King live action one because it was horrible. Disney, horrible. But we both wanted to see Toy Story 4, which was remarkably good, as always. So we flipped a coin. Lucky enough, I got to see Toy Story. After it was done, there was about 30 minutes left in The Lion King. I politely asked the woman, do you mind if we sneak in and meet my wife and kid to watch the end of Lion King? Nah, go ahead. Wow. So in America, not only could we have you know, watched a movie for free, but I bet we would have gotten popcorn. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Whichever popcorn you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about why, I guess, if you look at it, I've told this to people, for those in North America, if half of America moved into California, you would have Japan, roughly. It's a little bit less than that now. So, I mean, if you look at it culturally or historically, you needed to have a high context. You needed to have rules because otherwise you would just bump into each other and knock each other down and, you know, start a lot of fires. So I guess historically that makes sense. But if you look at the declining birth rate and just the sense of uh, apathy, sadness that you see a lot on a train. Oh, sure. This friend of mine tells, he's Canadian, tells this story. He was on a, a bus, I think it was Jamaica, and these people had not a dime to their name, poor as could be, riding on the bus, drinking moonshine, singing away, having a great time. And he told me that in his mind, we're the ones, despite Japan's wealth, that they feel sorry for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can definitely see. Especially um, in Tokyo. I think a, a lot of my students even have told me this before. I'm not sure if I've said it on the podcast before, but uh, a lot of my students tell me that uh, Japan, they, they often come, I'm sorry, huh. they often come... 
I have students. Speak it, brother. I have students, many yes. students, and they come from all over Japan. Yep. Uh, drawn to Tokyo by jobs and money and, and making it and all that. Uh, and I've had more than one student tell me that uh, Tokyo is a desert. Nothing grows yes. here. Yes. Yeah, people just come here to make money, and the rest of it's just like kind of a terrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I think whenever you go to Ikebukuro or Shinjuku, you see just a lot of... Uh, sad-looking people, like, lying on the pavement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I mean, we're not exaggerating. Like, one thing you couldn't imagine, but the busiest train station in the world, it's either Shinjuku or it's Shinjuku or this train station in Bombay, and they often, the one and two, two and one, whatever. You know, I can only imagine that the, the, the one in uh, India is very noisy. You can hear a pin drop when you get on a rush hour train here in the morning. Everybody's got their head down, and it's just... Part of it I can respect because it's people respecting other people's as much as they can, space and time and things like that. But part of it is very cold and robotic. So it's 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 an odd paradox. Kind of depressing to see. Yeah, yeah. So so that's that one. Uh, the book report, just I cannot recommend this enough. It's a book called 13 Things Mentally Strong Parents Don't Do. It's by a woman named Amy Morin. She's also written another book called 13 Things Strong Women Don't Do and Strong People Don't Do, and read them all. I'm on my second or third one now. And this is an example. Uh, one of my favorite TV shows is Arrested Development. Oh, my gosh. What a great it's one. It's a great one, right? And there's a really funny scene in that when Lucille Bluth, the mother in the family, was like, well, it's not my fault I was a bad mother. No, no well, I think no, our motherhood didn't come with a pamphlet. And then the narrator, who's Ron Howard, <laughs> right. the famous director, yes. you know, sort of says, there are literally thousands of books written on parenting each year, but that's the thing. There are thousands of books, right? So right. if you really were like me and wanted to be a good person, you wanted to do good but didn't know how, start with this book. And like, for example, she doesn't just tell you, like, don't yell at your kids. How not to yell at your kids? Take a deep breath. Tell your kids to take a deep breath. When they're calm, talk to them about it. You know, come up with a toy box was another example. This is the bunny that you're going to have when you go on this flight. If you get stressed, tell me I'm going to give you this bunny. But there's just so many good ideas in that book. Everybody, please read it. And, um, yeah. That's that's really interesting uh, thoughts there. I, yeah. I like that a lot. Thank you very much. One last note. I made a, a, a boo-boo in one of our prior podcasts. I said that without randomness, there would be no such thing as pacemakers, and that without randomness, people would not have been able to understand epilepsy. That's wrong. That is without chaos. Repeat. We'll try to get the show notes edited randomness and chaos are different. Uh, it's Save that for another day, but it's the difference between accuracy and precision, and chaos is what caused people to understand how things flux and influate, and I, th- I don't know if influate is a real word, but that's uh, literally what made pacemakers work is that things are not on random, but they do tend to be chaotic in nature, how we can account for that. So important thing to get out there. Um. All right, let's get to it. Religion, do the do, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Is religion a commodity? If it is, how so? And more than anything, how can we hack it? Let's start with the good. So I asked us both to paper one story about a time. We both come from religious backgrounds. Definitely. And we were talking about this before the show as well. One good thing about religion, story or otherwise? Um, Go first, Kenny. You know, I think the best thing that I can come up with about religion, and maybe... Maybe it's not the best thing in the world, but um, the community, you know, mm. I think that's something that can't be overestimated. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
I, I still have friends in the religious community. I went to, you know, private schools, uh, went to church, you know, three yep. times a week, every week, three uh, times a week, three times, twice on Sunday, every Wednesday night. Um, we were, we were there. And you're the, the reason football practice got out early on Wednesdays. <laughs> I mean, honestly, in America, for those of us that are listening from abroad in America, most public schools on Wednesday night, if practices from like five to seven, they'll usually stop at six or six thirty on Wednesday. So people can go to church as one other yeah. like a religious day in American mm. education systems. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that that uh, community is is really amazing and really strong because even even today, uh, maybe twenty something years after I stopped going to church, those people are still my friends. Yeah, I, I still talk to them. I follow them. I you know I'm with them, so it's really it's really great. Yeah, what about you? That's interesting. Uh, I don't have a lot of friends that are still religious. My my family, if we're with our parents or people in our family who are religious, will sometimes go. Other times not. I can tell you when I had my, my falling out, I guess, was, um, well, first get to the good. I've got lots of different stories. I also went to a Catholic school, and I, I think I can say the name of my fifth grade teacher. Mm-hmm. We try not to use a lot of names in this to protect the anonymity of people we might otherwise embarrass, but her name was, well, should I just call her Sister M for short? Sister if I just, M. Sister M. Sounds um, awesome. Yeah, and she, uh, the biggest notion, I guess, is when I first started going to Catholic school was, you know, are they going to teach creationism? Are they going to, and basically the, because they come from a religious background, they're more fierce about it than others, than non-secular people might be, learned about evolution. And the biggest thing was we talked about it, and, and with my parents too, other religious, what they believe, what they have in common, which is amazing. If you actually sit down and look at how much religions share, you know, Jesus is a prophet in Islam. Um, he's a, he's not the, as a Christian, I believe the savior of all, sure. but, but in, even in the Jews, he's another, he's a very good guy. No one looks at Jesus and says, what a wanker, you know, and his ideas are very, very Buddhist in nature. In fact, there's another reading. It's, it's called the missing years of Jesus Christ. And it talks about how in the Bible, he disappears basically from the age of 12 to 30. What happens during those 18 years? A lot of people speculate he traveled. He uh, went you went to an ashram? Uh, well, not an ashram, but he, um, if you look, what's an ashram? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, you know, like, a, I think... Uh, Is it a Buddhist a, thing? Hindu, Buddhist, um, like... Then yes. Well, cause, meditation, you know, with a guru and, and all of that. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe that's putting it too much, but he... Okay, this is one of my favorite lines from the Bible is, I am the good shepherd from Nazareth. And people are like, what does that mean? Nazareth was like a slum. It was known for being a place that did not follow a lot of religious orders. And shepherds of that time, the analogy I might use are truckers. You know, they have a tough life. They're on the low. They're not known for keeping a lot of Judeo-Christian calendars. So if, if I say, I am the good shepherd from Nazareth, it's like saying, I'm the good trucker from Harlem. People are like, oh, the contrast. Now I kind of understand. And a lot of that gets lost in translation. But there's no way a guy from Nazareth, which was kind of a slum, learned all those new things and became so enlightened. He must have learned it from somewhere. It's near Judea, which is a seaport. Uh, Judea... Uh, Buddhism was already around for about 500 years before Christ began. His ideas are very Buddhist in nature. It's not difficult to understand how or might someone might get exposed to those ideas. Sure. So I think that all those things are very interesting. I also enjoyed being an altar boy. Um, do you ever, were, you all, were you ever an altar boy? Uh, I did some work. Did some altar boying? Altar boying. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was a. We were Protestant, so we didn't really have like, ah. quote, altar boys. But uh, I did. I did, uh, uh, you know, I was an usher, 
I guess. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. Usher kind of the same thing. and uh, yeah. I, I did some other like. Just, Were you a reader ever? Uh, yeah, occasionally. Yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed that too. Interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I never had any bad experience. And I'm not. You know, the joke is like you know, oh, never got touched by a priest. But I mean, that did happen to other people. We're not making light of that. But I was. Luckily enough, that never happened to me, and I enjoyed the ritual of it and, and just being a part of it. And at first, I wasn't a very good altar boy. I was kind of cocky. But um, that's why I really enjoyed knowing where the book went and how. And, yeah, I think, like you say, I got into the, the comfort of routine, which we talked about earlier today. Yeah, routine, is, I think, is a very important part. very well, so, yeah. And it kind of leads me to believe no wonder that things like CrossFit, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, spin cycle classes was another one are all becoming replacements for religion organically not that people are like i'm sick of being a catholic i want to go become a crossfitter but uh, do you think people have kind of like that religious itch in their soul kind of naturally i think i think uh, people are social animals Mm -hmm. i think we seek out people uh, that we have something in common with and we we seek out community and I think in the modern world, it's easy to get cut off from communities. It's easy to separate yourself. It's easy to become isolated. And I think we're always looking for different ways to uh, grow roots and to uh, interact with people who think and feel like us. Yeah. Do you think that need is a positive or a negative? I just think it is. I don't. I don't really have. I never really thought about uh, uh, some kind of value about it, but hmm, I just think it is. That's interesting. I when I was younger and I first moved to Asia, I thought I was, you know, as you do when you're younger. I'm going to go to a mountain and write haiku and leave all my comfort zones behind, and that worked well for about a week. And I was like, Mom, can you send me my VCR? Mom, can you can you send me oatmeal? Just all these things, and you realize how much you know, little things like that you kind of miss in life. So. Definitely. Yeah, I don't Loneliness know. is really powerful. It is a, yes. And I think as expats too, we've experienced loneliness. I mean, if you're not careful, one reason why jobs become, like the people that you work with a lot of times become your friends and family is you could literally go a day or more if you're not careful and not talk to another person. Oh, easily. And you don't understand what it's like. And after all, you get used to it and you become more independent. And like, I love to go to movies by myself. I always did, even in America. You know, and there's being a, you know, having alone time and being alone. lonely, yeah, yeah, yeah are, are well very different things. Like I, I value my alone time, but uh, being lonely is a is a really terrible loneliness is a very terrible state of affairs. Yeah, and I think we'd all met. I call it mountain man syndrome. It's it's expats or even people that you know or you know maybe they don't have the most buoyant social skills anyway. But you can just tell when someone's been alone for too long. And hi, how's it going? And you just get this diatribe on like, <laughs> like what's going on? And it's like, just you do you need help and that's it's i've done it i mean it's easy to kind of cross that line and so religion can definitely help alleviate that um because of time bad hmm. boy there's a lot <laughs> and this is something religion's got to work on you go first <laughs> <laughs> um you know the there are obvious bad actors in religion, right? Uh, and that, that's every religion, uh, whether you're Buddhist or, or Hindu or Muslim or, or Christian. It doesn't matter. There's always going to be people that are there to take advantage of others, uh, to get something that they want to be like kind of a, act like kind of a psychopath. Uh, th- those people are everywhere. Um, the, the bad. Where, which, do you want the alphabetical list or the like chronological <laughs> I'm, joking, I'm joking but um what's the one that comes to your mind the most you know i i just never 
even as a child, when people would tell me these stories in the Bible, I just never thought that they were believable. Mm. I never thought that they were believable or smart or profound or mm. had any really interesting meaning, uh, especially for uh, somebody who grew up in you know the late twentieth, early you know early twenty yeah. first century. Um, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like a lot of the things that are in there. You mean like the, the parables and the fables and things parables like that? and the yeah. fables and like so many of the rules and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, to me, it's interesting. If you look at the old Testament, lucky enough to have, what we did was we flat out read the Bible and there's a stark difference first off between the old Testament and the new Testament. If you look at the old Testament, it's very, God is a psychopath and he wipes people out. He tells people to wipe people out and have no mercy and all these other different things. And aside from that, basically, you know, it's uh, there's a really famous Mel Brooks uh, movie when he stands up. These are the fifteen crash, and he drops one of the ten, ten, <laughs> ten commandments. But there were a couple hundred, and they went from everything like how you shalt slaughter thy lambs to no eating. And a lot of it was almost made sense as in if you didn't have a refrigerator, you know, you'd want to stay away from like shell food or or. or things that went bad easily. And I could see back then wanting to circumcise, for example, your sons, because it probably was cleaner. Nowadays, they, they don't hold much weight. And on top of that, I was always taught that those parables were parables. No, you can't survive in the stomach of a whale. But it shows if you have faith, if you believe, then you can do stuff. And that's, I don't think there's anything really wrong with that either. So, yeah. To me, I guess the ruthless bad are things, what I'm going to call profiteering of religion. Sure. Um, one of the things we had for our show notes was, it was a, it's a great TV show. It's called uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. And this one was about televangelists. That was a classic one. That's, I think, It's yeah. a lovely one. Yeah. It's a lovely I've one, I've watched yeah. it so many times. I have too. And it just makes me so mad every mm-hmm. time I watch it that people will honestly take advantage of it. Sure. And people with that kind of faith. And it's really, really sad. Um, and people make that argument as an article of their faith. Yes, that they, exactly. You know that they're they're being successful and uh, making money, uh, like like God is just showering down this money on them. But it's because really, they have faith. And it's really they're just ripping people. They're just off. ripping people. You know? off. And we were talking about Japanese culture before. If they they literally have graphs and charts, the less religious an area is, technically, that the more peaceful they tend to be. For those anyone that knows Japan, it's not a religious country at all. There are some people who will come up to you and say things like, I'm a Christian, but they don't seem to really understand much about what that means or what it entails. Well, yeah, I think uh, Japanese just or, on, a, on a fundamental level, yeah. because there is such a secular society, they don't have an idea about, at least from a, like compared to Americans, they don't have an idea about practice of religion. They might have a belief, oh yeah, God created the earth, blah, 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 but they don't have like a idea about what that means in a day-to-day lifestyle, yeah. right? Which is good. And you know, it's even more refreshing to that is, sure. um, it's, it's, uh, I was talking to my wife something about, oh, something like I kicked a rock and she said, oh, we, it's, I believe it's called Shintoism, which is a, I'm going to get this wrong, which is a type of Buddhism or no, an No, it's a completely different thing, uh, but... Yeah, in it, the the main point though here is mm. that Shinto everything Shinto, has a soul. Everything has yeah. is a god. Like there's yes. a mountain god, tree god, which is really refreshing. And and in that way, where for example, robotics are really taking a giant leap forward in the form of like where people are marrying their smart devices and junk like that. One of the places is Japan, and I think it's. I used to think it was because they were weak minded fools. But now I think, okay, I can kind of see it. If you're Shinto and if you don't believe that something has a soul anyway, exactly right. Yeah. then, you know, what the heck? If my iPhone makes me happy, why not marry it? Even though I think if your iPhone was really your best friend, you'd probably shoot it because it's always, in, you know, annoying you. But 
Another funny thing is I was looking back in, in high school, we, we read The Catcher in the Rye, and I was, I'm not embarrassed to say it, but I, at the time I was thinking like, why don't we ban it? It's been linked to uh, the death of John Lennon, several other, the assassination of Ronald Reagan. How many times must things be linked to something before we take a stand, blah, blah, blah. And in my ignorance, my teacher actually pointed out, she's like, if you were going to ban books that started wars, the first book you'd have to ban is the Bible. And I know that sounds blasphemous to some of our listeners, but think about it. Can you name one other book that's the misinterpretation of which has caused more wars or death or suffering? Or even the proper interpretation of it. Yeah. I mean, and that's a lot of religious texts too, yeah. right? I mean, I think you know, I think the Quran and, and others would also be up there as well. Definitely. So that's, I guess, the bad. The ugly truth is, or maybe look at it this way, can we hack religion? Now, what I say by hack is this comes from... Um, it's called the Perto Principle, also known per, as the Burrito Principle. Burrito Principle, also yes. known as the Burrito Principle. The Burrito or the Principle. Eighty percent of burritos will be really good, and twenty percent will make you sick. Which is just, or the law of the vital few. So we talked about this before. Eighty percent of your business are going to come for twenty percent of your customers. Twenty percent of your problems are going to come from twenty uh, percent of your employees, and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So. What is the 80% of religious goodness that we could take by just paying attention to maybe 20% of it? Or maybe what another way to say that is what is the 20% of religion mm. that will get valuable? us like 80%, 80% of the of benefits? The value. That sounds yeah, much better yeah. than what I just said. <laughs> so what are some things that you have for that? I mean, again, community. Yeah. You know, and the ritual. Mm. I think community and ritual are, are the are the main two things, right? So if I get my sense of community and ritual and friendship from CrossFit, mm-hmm. is is that bad? No, I don't think so. Okay, I if I get it from so. jujitsu, and that I can bad? see that. I can see that. I'm again. I I just started jujitsu mm. kind of recently, so uh, I can see how people would definitely get into that. The the community of, with those. You know the people that you train with, and uh, kind of re- working together and refining your techniques yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. To this day, the people I still keep in contact on Facebook with the most aren't really people I had religious experience with. They're people mm. I did jujitsu with. Oh, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, one of the misconceptions I guess I had is, and I said this kind of before, our when I was in high school and college, and I quit going to church. I kind of because of that, and I had a few negative experiences with it started to think of people that did find comfort in church as being weak-minded fools. And, you know, you went to church, you're a loser. Okay, I'm not going to let, you know, a 600-year-old book tell me what to do. And, well, that might be right in principle. I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. And so to me, like, one thing I took from it is uh, if you look at any 12-step program, one of my family members and one of my good friends, I'm definitely not going to say names for this one, but everybody, you know, wherever you are right now on, on earth <laughs> mm-hmm. or from outer space, if you're listening, yeah. uh, and if in, you are, and when they're definitely listening yeah, to they're this listening podcast, to us. Yeah, cause they're, we're, they're smart, <laughs> but, you know, look to your left, look to your right. You know, somebody who's been affected with some kind of an ism, alcoholism, workaholicism, drug addictionism, And one of the ways around that is, is one of the, the only real proven solution is some kind of 12 step work. The third principle of the step 12 step work is, is a, declaring a quote-unquote higher power. And it is a quote for AA, it is a God of my own understanding. Sure. And it's so hard to get people to kind of believe in that. But once you kind of do, it really is helpful. And I don't believe everything, like one of the one of the sayings from AA, I'll just talk about AA. What happened, I have a friend of mine that I really wanted, in my hypocriticalism, 
was like, you've got a drinking problem. And I, I really wanted this person to go to AA. And I got really into AA myself and kind of studied it and I even used it to be, I was sober for this last month. And I really, I, I think almost anybody, if you've got a problem, apply the 12 steps. It's very interesting. And if you talk about hacking a religion, it is a, a very powerful thing. It's a very powerful thing. It's a great way to do it. There's a lot of, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror and anyways, but how does it affect religion? It's having a God of your own understanding and, you know, like call it what you want, call it a higher power, call it nature. But if you believe in something that is greater than yourself, because a lot of what alcohol and drug addiction or uh, for me, my first addiction was probably going to the gym. And then it was definitely jujitsu. There was a time when I thought about that constantly. Mental obsessions for me come real hot and heavy. And if you believe that there's a power greater than yourself and you can take a step back, that's kind of the first step in realizing that I'm not the center of the universe and you stop being so selfish. And once you kind of let like that little sliver of light in, it's easier to reexamine things and then you're, you know, kind of playing with a whole new ball game. But I think that's a, a key factor in any kind of hack that you wanted to talk about religion is a God of your own understanding. It doesn't have to be a Christian God or a real Jewish God. And a lot of people have really bad experiences with those. So why follow that? That doesn't work. Yeah. It's a, it's a very interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, one thing that it makes me think about is uh, stoicism mm. and uh, the Nietzschean aspect of uh being in love with your fate, whatever happens to you, like if you can't, if you couldn't have controlled it, or even if you caused it, the the important thing is to just uh, understand that, you know, this is great. This is what the universe has in store for me. And this is uh, something I can learn from and do better next time or, or whatever. Yeah. And so just being in love with your fate is uh, maybe an important part of the stoic world which and is I, so, I think it's kind of related well that's more than just related that is the it used to be called the church the teacher's prayer or the nurse's prayer and it actually comes from one of the uh it's grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference sure yeah. right now what i take issue with though is for example everything happens for a reason okay so god wanted americans to kill baby indians with smallpox I can't imagine that happened for a reason. No, I can't either. Yeah. And I refuse to accept that. Or childhood think, cancer for or that Or childhood cancer. Right. There are certain things in life that are just not r- right, and I don't think that that's God's fault. But I think that if you have a faith in a higher power or something like that, if that's what gets you through, then religion can be a very good thing. And if you, it's almost like any other tool. Like Gandhi said, religion is heresy if heresy is done in its name. If I say, oh, I'm a Catholic, I'm better than you, and I want to beat you up, that's not good. Right. You know, but if I find faith and community in Catholicism or CrossFitism, and those friends, I can tell you, the friends I had in Taiwan got me through some very difficult times, and those are mainly friends that I met through. That was our church. That's where we met. That's where we relieved stress, and I wouldn't change that for anything, so... I guess that's one thing even I've kind of changed my mind on. I think it's okay to be religious as long as you're not a judgmental bad, bad guy. Bad, bad guy. <laughs> and I think if you want to hack it, people try coming up with a with a higher power or God of your own understanding. Oh, sure. And then at the very least, try a new thing, CrossFit, Jiu-Jitsu, what have you. Try going to a church that you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Episcopalianism is... Mm-hmm. Episcopalianism? Episcopal- Episcopalianism. What he said, yeah, is a very the Episcopals, the Episcopals. <laughs> but I, I, but I, like I, I sometimes attend that church, and they're very non-judgmental. Hmm. They were the first sect to let gays and lesbians uh, be, be anything. Yeah, they allow their priests to marry. Hmm. And to me, I still get that sense of ritual, as in with the Catholic Church. There's up, there's down, there's kneeling, there's 
Eucharist and things like yeah, that. It's so got all it's, the aerobic exercises. All the aerobic thing. activities that kind of go with it. And sure. it's, a, it's a great sense of community. So no matter what you do, try to get out there. Basically, I think almost like anything, there's no good or no bad. It's what you make of it. But there's nothing wrong with finding religion. It's in something else. And try new things. And if it happens to be religion, that's great. If it happens to be 12-step, that's great too. But I think there's definitely room for this in people's lives. And at least, very least, there's nothing wrong with it so long as you don't misuse it. Sure, absolutely. And of course, like uh, one thing I heard recently on a podcast was Ezra Klein talking about religion, and uh, he said that uh, talking about like having strong feelings against religion is, is also it almost just as bad. It's almost just as bad, right? Well, it, it, the way he put it was, uh, e- even if you go up and pee on the altar uh, and denying how powerful. Christianity is, uh, you're still you, just by that very act, you're saying that uh, it has, pa- you're giving it power. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't want to make either, you know, either error, you know, either denying too strongly the, the power of religion, but I also don't want to like give it anything that it is not yeah. actually evidence for. Right? Well, looking back when I walked around for about 18 to 38, 39, just, you know, looking down on people, even my, I never looked down on my family because I knew where they were coming from, but I think that there's other ways to look at it. And if you're open-minded, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it and it could really help people. So yeah, give it a shot. We are just about out of time for today. So thanks very much to Thank our you very Senator much. Ken. And uh, as always, give us uh, feedback. Love to hear it. Thank yeah. you very much for your time. Keep up. All right. Thank you. Thanks, and uh, we'll see you next week. Next week. Cheers, right. guys. Bye. Bye-bye.